Hi, everybody. Welcome to Evolve, where we focus on the evolution of leadership. I'm Kim Ford, your host. And today I have an extremely special guest um, all the way from Singapore. Do you mind, please introduce yourself and your company? Sure, Kim. Well, it's great to be on it. I appreciate that. So listen, I run the business called Brand Events International, my name, and uh, we've had this business running now for 20 years. Uh, I left the big corporate world after running big corporations, or big corporate organizations and that type of thing for many, many years in the branding space and leadership space and decided it was lonely at the top. So I wanted to become a C-suite executive. And so that is really what I do. I work, I work with the top leaders of big corporations all around the globe. I work on six continents. I have the honor of being able to do that. I have not cracked Antarctica yet. I need to do that. Uh, but yeah, so, and I've lived all, had the fortune also of living all around the world with those various companies. I, I jokingly say I'm running from Interpol, <laughs> but that's not true either. So uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I also am a motivational keynote speaker. So I speak to large corporate audiences around the world at their global and regional conferences. And I've written 11 books on the topics of leadership and branding and coaching and uh, so, yeah, I'm living the life that I designed for myself and couldn't be happier. Love what I do and get to do what I love. That is fantastic. And, you know, I, I talk to CEOs every day. That's what we do for a living. And what's amazing is many of them are facing a lot of challenges right now. Can you kind of talk about what challenges are you seeing in the C-suite at, at the CEO level? You know, I honestly don't think that in, in our lifetimes, at least, there's never been a bigger global leadership crisis. You know, people are talking about the various crises, the geopolitical crises and the inflation crises, but actually there's a global leadership crisis taking place. And I, I think it's really unique. I, I, there's no map, no directions. It's so much uncertainty right now. And, you know, we do better when we have certainty, right, Kim? So there's no map to follow. And I think we're, leaders are really struggling with that. You know, there's supply chain issues have really been disrupted. And I'm seeing this causing so many problems for so many of my of my the organizations I work with, not just because you can't have access to the goods, but it's actually causing dissatisfied customers and consumers. They're like, wait a minute, I want that computer, but if I can't get it, I'll go somewhere else where I can get one. So those loyalty, that brand loyalty that we've all built up over the years, that's kind of going away. Um, the geopolitical concerns it is impacting supply chain. What do we do with, you know, U.S.-China relations? Do we keep supplying from China? Um, how These are massive changes that are taking place. The Great Resignation Wave, which is global. It is not just, you know, specific to certain continents. Yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is happening worldwide. And, and the thing is, it's not just a human resource issue or a talent issue. It's causing operational risks. Like yeah. thousands of organizations, particularly in professional services firms, but actually all firms, they're having to find new ways of operating because they don't have the human cap capital that they need to make it happen. And, and of course, the shift in the way we work, Kim, right? Hybrid and remote, those yeah. words we're all using these days, my goodness, it requires a whole new reprogramming of how we operate as leaders and how to connect and how to manage in this changing world. So it is really, it's incredible. And I'll tell you what I'm seeing, Kim, and I, I'm sure you're probably seeing the same. There's a lot of talk about employee burnout, mm -hmm. but leaders are burning out too. 
Absolutely. I just read an article. Yeah, I just read an article last week in a major magazine, and it was talking about how CEOs are resigning at rapid rates. <laughs> they're basically saying, "I'm out," because their wellness issues are at hand as well. So there's yeah, you get the incredible. Stats. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, if, if you look at the stats of mental health issues in the workplace, it was always the employees. And I've seen a dramatic switch really um, across the board where yeah. now it's the C-suite. Now it's the leadership team that is actually hitting the wall that is having, you know, a large percentage of the mental health issues. And, and I think people are just not sure what to do. I mean, everybody's trying to do the right thing. I mean, what do you think is really the cause of the great resignation? Well, I think, I think, Kim, it's actually misnamed. I think it should be called the great alienation or the great disconnection, because I yeah. think that's really what happened. I think what really happened was we lost, we lost connection with the organization, with our leaders. We lost connection to others. And when you don't have that connection, well, what happens? You, you, you decide that it's, you know, you can walk, you can vote with your feet. You just go somewhere yeah. else. But I also think something interesting that's happening, Kim, and in and, and your role, you probably see this too, but I think leadership has become very personal. Mm -hmm. I call it personal leadership. And the reason I say that is, why is this important? Well, with the advent of social media, it's every person has become so important because they have a voice. Yeah. And suddenly, when they're working from home, the voice was only being heard in social media. It wasn't being heard at the office much anymore. My leaders weren't hearing me anymore. And so I feel like, wait a minute, I'm unique. I want, I'm an individual, but I'm not being treated that way. And so what happened is a lot of people just said, I'm going to go someplace where I can feel really valued. And I think this has become, again, it's the great disconnection is what's really happened. People need to feel they are valued as individuals or they'll just go somewhere else where they are valued. Yes, yeah, so true. And how do you think leaders should switch their behaviors um, right now? I mean, obviously, valuing employees is one thing, but, yeah. you know, it's it's funny. We all learn, right? As kids, we go to school, you know, many people go to college and we're constantly learning and then we become leaders of corporations whether they're small or large and then we stop learning because who's teaching us i mean it's just a, it's just a random question but like no, there's no education left and and at what level where is really, that leadership yeah. training that doesn't exist because i don't know of any there's almost a little bit like, I see the analogy of when we raise children, we really take care of them when they're young and we really make sure that they're good when they're young and they become teenagers like, eh, you're kind of on your own, right? Uh, some, I'm not saying everybody, but no, I've seen No, it's that. so true. Absolutely. It's a little bit like that with leadership. You know, we, we give them so much attention as they become supervisors and the first time supervisors, we coddle them to make sure that they're getting what they need. And even in the mid ranks, we make sure and they become a senior leader. It's like, okay. Good luck, you know, um, and I and that's why I say leader, uh, executive coaching is just so foundational at that level. It's yeah. lonely at the top, right, Kim? It is and so lonely. It is it's so top. lonely, and there is so little resource put to that, and so that's why it's just so critical to make sure that your top leaders are actually getting the same level of support, if not more support, than all other levels in the organization. Yeah, and there's two sports that I really can look at when I talk about leaders being at the top. If you think of a hockey goalie, a goalie really gets the highs, right? Imagine, you know, they're blocking, they're stopping the goals, and then they really hit the lows, but they're really by themselves. 
because mm-hmm. the team is producing moving up and down the ice, right? And the goalie's in that box <laughs> and trout and really yeah. on their own. And think of yeah. a tennis player who can't be coached on the court. Mm-hmm. Tennis players aren't coached, unlike any other sport. You know, the caddy's not behind them telling them, hey, you know, you should really hit the fairway a little short on this one. There's nobody there to coach them. So I really look at leaders and I think of those two sports and it's this interesting, I, I don't know, a concept. And I like I, that. I, yeah. yeah. And I think we all have to figure out a way to shift our behaviors because what was okay before is no longer really okay. And I've had a couple um, CEOs say to me, you know, I used to walk and just say, hey, Bob, how's it going? And now I have to say, hey, Bob, how are you feeling? And it's such a transition that they're not comfortable. And I think that could be a lot of that disconnect. Absolutely. Well, you know, I jokingly, and I I mean this with all disrespect, but I jokingly call it the feelings are the other F word at work. You know, it's like, (laughs) we don't want to talk about feelings. You know, I remember once I was coaching a German leader and I said something about, so how are you feeling? He says, I don't feel, I think. I'm like, okay, got it. (laughs) Um, So, you know, the point is we just are not taught to do feelings at work. Feelings at work is just not on the menu. And so helping people work through that, that we are sentient beings. Humans are feeling beings. We were born feeling and we will die feeling. It's part of who we are. And trying to bring that into the workplace and again i think that's part of that great disconnection is people can feel if you don't feel if you don't if there's no feeling there yeah and we have a bunch of clients that kind of thought that this wasn't going to affect them and everything was great Mm -hmm. everything was great they're not losing anybody everybody's there everybody's working together and then i get that call just lost six people today oh my gosh and it was it's it was just kind of um eye-opening for this particular client. And, you know, what advice do you have right now for clients that are in, you know, companies that are in crisis at the, at the C-suite level? What do they even, where do they start? You know what? I say, get down into the trenches, get into the trenches, ask and listen. People want to be heard. I was just talking to an executive just, just before this conversation and he had, he had taken over a job of someone, another leader who had just left And that person had been in that job for three years. And this particular leader said he decided he was going to spend the first week doing nothing but meeting every single person in his operation for 30 straight minutes. So he had 30 minute interviews. Time after time after time, they said, no one's ever asked us our opinion or what we think. You know, this time after time. And this is critical. People want to be heard. They want to know there's a purpose to what they do. And now is the best time to do this because there's another thing which is all this disruption happening what do we need to do we need to get into the trenches because guess what probably some of the greatest answers are down in the trenches these are the people who are dealing with issues every single day and we often don't give them the credibility or the 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 space to come up with ideas from themselves so what are we going to do here's our challenge knowing what you know about our customers you're closest to the customers or you know are the the operations that we're running, what do you think we should do? Because I really think the job of a leader, Kim, is to be an enabler. That's what a leader does. It's in the process of enabling others. So I think that's really key today. Get get into those trenches and talk to people. Recognize their value and the potential in every single person. The possibilities are tremendous. Yeah, certainly. And and at least a lot of people when they're hired or young executives, when they come into the workforce, we talk to them about building a personal brand and how important it is for you to kind of 
if you're selling, especially a service-based business, that you have to have a brand out there. Now, should a leader have a brand as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I I really firmly believe that leaders who have distinct, clear brands will be, they are more successful. I've seen it year after year after year. They are more successful because brands are leaders. Uh, leaders are brands too, right? And the way I define a brand, Kim, is that it, a leader's brand is the way others perceive, think, and feel about that leader in relation to other leaders. So perceptions, yeah. thoughts, and feelings, those are foundational. You know, in branding, perception is reality. <laughs> you know, how you are perceived is what your brand is, whether you like it or not. That's perception. It's <laughs> so true. Whether right. you like but it or not. And that's brand. because, I mean, remember what I said, it's the way others perceive, think, and feel. So people always say, oh, branding, personal, that's so me, me, me. I said, not the, just the opposite. It's the way you want others to perceive, think, and feel. So those others are the most important part of your brand. And you really need to be aware of how others are perceiving you. And that is within your control. It is within your control. And then we also have perce uh, perceptions, thoughts, and feelings. You know, we think about people, but as I mentioned earlier, we feel about people. And most yeah. of the time, we're going to remember leaders for how they made us feel, not for what they did or what they said. We will remember how they made us feel. I yeah. remember the very worst boss I ever had in my life. He, <laughs> I used to, I, I chuckle now, but this is a true story. I used to walk into his office when I had a piece of bad news with a note, like a notebook. And I looked yeah. like I was going to take notes, but really I was going to shield myself because whenever he got upset, he would get a big pot of pens on his desk and he would <laughs> literally throw them <laughs> at you. So I would like, you know, defending You're ducking, myself. Right? Oh my gosh. I got gosh, really good at ducking, terrible. you know. Um, yeah. But I don't remember much beyond, uh, I don't remember conversations we had. I just remember how he made me feel. And yeah. I always just that dread that I had as I had to walk into his office with a piece of bad news. Right. I bet. Now, where does a leader even start to build a personal brand? Do they have to have a personal brand on social media? Can that personal brand just resonate in the uh, in the workplace? Like, where do, where do they even start? Because I think a, a lot of leaders, um, and I, and I hate to say don't care at this point in their career because they feel like it's unnecessary, but mm. I kind of think that that might be the way for me to say it. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, I, I started when uh, personal branding before it was even online. I was one of the early <laughs> pioneers in branding of leaders. And, you know, a lot of leaders say, oh, Brenda, you've got me all wrong. I, you know, I'm not really into that self-promotion stuff. You know, I don't have or want a brand. And that's when I break it to them. I say, actually, you already have a brand. Remember, it's the way others perceive, think, and feel about you. And those perceptions, thoughts, and feelings are going on right now. So you already have a brand. Now, are you in charge of it? Is it the brand yeah. you want it to be? And there's a simple exercise I can take them through to help them understand what their brand is. And when it, it comes back and they go, oh, whoa, that's not what I thought it was, suddenly it becomes more important. And they realize right. how that important it is. Because yeah, and then they, they that, control it, right? Absolutely. Because if you don't take control of it, someone else is taking control of it. You allow someone else to take control of your brand, and that is not a win-win situation, right? You, you will lose. So it's really about being clear on what your brand stands for, and then you need to know how to communicate it. And that's where social media can come in. It can come in, but really the way we communicate our brands, Kim, is with five activities we all do every single day. It's the way we act, our actions, the way we react, our yeah. reactions, which is so important, 
and people really watch the way we react, the way we look, the way we sound, and yeah. the way we think. All right. five of right. those are how we communicate our brand. And so once you define your brand, you need to communicate it consistently, whether it's in person, whether it's online, being consistent, consistent, consistent is the key to building a great brand. No, that's amazing. And I, I pulled out this quote in, that I saw the other day, and it so much resonates with what we're talking about. It says, somebody asked me what I'm going to do when I make it to the top. I said, reach back down to help others up. And I love it because isn't that the responsibility at the end of the day of a leader, right? If you've made it there, it's your it's your time to kind of extend that rope and pull people up with you. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I think the role of a leader is enabler. Yeah. It's enabler. Have you created the systems, the processes, the structures? Have you given people the resources they need? Are you giving them the mentorship or the support that they need to make it to the next level, to build the culture that's going to help people feel enabled? And yeah. uh, so all of that is foundational to being a great leader and enabling in today's world. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you master the inside job of leadership? Because it's, I don't know, like you said, it's kind of lonely there, right? <laughs> it is lonely at the top. But I think, so I, I really firmly believe that if humans came with an owner's operating manual, <laughs> I think there would be three, key, three, wouldn't it be fun? Uh, three yeah. key lines. And it is that what you think drives how you feel. Those beliefs that are at the base of all of it. What do you believe? What do you feel? How you feel drives how you behave. Yeah. And how you behave drives the outcomes you get. And if you think about it, what we think and what we feel is under the radar. Nobody's paying attention to that, right? I don't know what you're thinking and feeling. You don't know what I'm thinking and feeling. But I can see how you behave and I can see the results that you get. And in the workplace, what do we judge people on? How they behave and how the work, how, well, how the outcomes are. But where it all starts is down at the bottom with what you think and what you feel. And we, don't, we often don't pay much attention to that. You yeah. know, we have these hardwired beliefs that have been there for years. We keep and many, the older we are, often the more we have and the longer they've been entrenched and we don't pay attention to them. We don't, like an old pair of shoes, we just don't bring them back up to take a look and see if they're still serving us. And so that's what I mean by the inside job of leadership. If you're, you know, a lot of leaders will come to me and say, Brenda, I want to be better at speaking at town halls or I want to be, be, right, or I want to be, I want to be a more inspiring leader. And so that's, they're looking for the outside aspects of that. Mm -hmm. But I explained that actually, it's all going to start on the inside. You've got, what are your thoughts about speaking at town halls? What makes that so much different than speaking anywhere else? Or yeah. you know, what's going on on the inside that's impacting the outside? And so once you can do that, then you get it really being able to make positive, long-term, sustainable changes in behavior. And that's when it gets exciting because you realize how much you really are in control of what goes on inside and outside. It all lines up beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. And I see a lot in the startup sector, especially in the technology startup sector, that a lot of people have these amazing ideas, right? Robust ideas that they build this thing or this service that um, takes off and explodes. But that person has never, ever led before. They're the brains behind the company. And all of a sudden, now they're the CEO yeah. leading this company into a Series A, and they've never led a company before. Yeah. And yeah. so they have no leadership skills and it yeah. can become a tremendous problem. I mean, what do you, where do you even, like, how do you tackle that? Um, <laughs> it's, I, it's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it, Kim? Uh, 
you expect a dentist to have gone and got to dental school. You expect, right. <laughs> you know, a doctor to go to, to medical school, but a leader, right. you just wing it. Good luck, right? Um, yeah. We don't empower leaders to understand that. And even business schools, I mean, a, a great business school I went to, too, but the point is sometimes we focus on more of the technical skills, the external right. skills, and we don't spend as much time on the internal skills and really gaining that self-awareness that's so key to understanding what is it about you that makes you the leader that you are? Yeah. Um, I, I love to do a thing at the beginning of coaching. It's called Leadership Lifeline. And I like to go back in time. It's the only time we go backwards, right? Because coaching is about taking people from where you are yeah. today to where you want to be. But I like to go backwards and say, what helped you become the leader you are today? And inevitably, there are incredible ahas because we learn just like we learn from our parents how to be a parent and we swear yeah. we'll never be like them. <laughs> of course, because <laughs> we're so awful. <laughs> of course we do. Uh, yeah. Just the same with leaders. We have picked up leadership habits along the way without even realizing it. And when you can actually bring those to the surface, it's really fascinating. I was working with one CEO and he, very, very large company, 75,000 people. And uh, he, he, he tested one way on a little exam I gave him, but he, it didn't seem to be who he was at all. And so I asked him about that juxtaposition. And when we did the leadership lifeline, he says, I get it. He said, that test shows what I really am. But in the workplace, I'm trying to be something that I learned to be. And if I can just get back to my natural style, I think I'll be more successful. And sure enough, he was. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, authenticity is is very much clearer to the other person, not necessarily. Oh, you, can, you, you can smell it, feel it, taste it, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. If you're being, yeah. If I mean, you're not being authentic. Yeah. We work with a few CEOs that I just think are absolutely amazing. Like their true heart comes out into their workforce. They actually care. They actually listen. But it's natural. They were not taught to do that. It's how they think. And that's how they've built successful companies. But to me, that's a natural born leader that knows how to lead with their gut. And a lot of people created this amazing product or service that they're not natural born leaders. So it's very hard for them to learn to be that person they want to be. And that's where, I don't know, I kind of, like you said, it's lonely at the top, but there's just not a lot of resources out there for yeah. leaders to, to get there. Yeah. Now, a lot of CEOs are struggling. And, you know, if you could sum it all up, do you have advice? If you could give a piece of advice to CEOs right now, what would it be? You know, I think the number one thing is communicate, communicate, communicate. People want to know what's going on. They want to know, even even if, do you know the James, uh, do you know the Stockdale paradox? Have you heard of no. this? No. Oh, it's so powerful. If we have enough time, let me share with you this powerful, par powerful paradigm. So James Stockdale was an American officer in the Navy during the American Vietnam War, right? During the Vietnam War. And he became a prisoner of war or POW. And he was there for yep. seven years in this camp, you can imagine, right? So he became kind of the de facto leader of the POWs. Now, he noticed three groups of POWs and the impact that being a POW had on them. And this is really fascinating. He found, first of all, he said, interestingly, those who died first were the blind pessimists. These are the people who would say, oh, we're never going to get out of here. This is going to end badly. We're all going to die. They had no hope at all. And in fact, they did die first. Those are the people that died first. Now, the second group, the second group, the, those who died second were interestingly, Kim, the blind optimists. We'll be out by year end. 
we're going to be out by Christmas. Yeah. You know what? We're going to be out by spring. Remember that? Yep. And when the results didn't live up to their expectations, well, they lost hope and they died too. And those were the ones that he called the hopeful pragmatists. I'm sorry. Those are, those are the ones that were the blind optimists. But the hopeful yeah. pragmatists are those that said, you know what? We don't know when we're going to get out. And things may change, but we can overcome this. And there was a sense of hope, but it was balanced and it was, but it was grounded in reality too. So it's that balance between hope and reality. And so when I talk to leaders today, that's what I encourage them to say is things like grounded in reality, but having a sense of hope and future, what can be. And the marriage of those two, I think is what people need today. We don't need yeah. to pretend Pollyanna that everything's perfect, but give it to me straight. But also I want some hope. I want to see. And so we can say things like, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen next, to be perfectly honest, but I know that we are going to survive this. We always have. We will thrive. And I'm looking forward to the future. And here's some of the things that I see coming ahead of that I'm excited about. We will prevail. And I think yeah. that's what people want to hear today. Yeah, I like that. I like that advice. And that's fit. What a great conversation. Oh, thank you so much. It was You're great more to than talk welcome, to you, Kim. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Awesome. And and you know, our goal with Evolve is to really connect leaders, allow CEOs to learn, connect and grow together. And Brenda, thank you so much for taking the time and thank you for, you know, speaking to me so late at your time at night and uh no love to follow you and I hope our our thanks. listeners will follow you as well. Thank you. Would love that. All right, thanks Kim. Really great to connect. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.